Hey, welcome. If I've never met you, uh, and even if I have, my name is Jeffrey. I haven't made that mistake in a long time, and then I just did. Uh, my name is Jeffrey, no matter how I met you. Uh, I am honored to get to be a part of uh, Storms Week 3. Um, I, to kick off the sermon, I wanted to just take a moment and peel back the curtain and just give you a view behind the curtain of the Turner family, okay? So my dad got arrested internationally one time. That has nothing to do with the sermon at all. But he's in this service, and that's always fun for me because he's our executive pastor. And you know who's been arrested overseas? Randy. You know who hasn't? This guy. So, <laughs> score one to nothing. But really, behind the scenes, my wife and I, so my wife, Sarah, she's our online campus pastor. We, uh, we have been married in a week. We will have been married 17 years. Uh, woo! God's grace and peace on Sarah. She is patient as all patients can be. And... Uh, I was going to show you a picture from our wedding. It was going to, so y'all could be like, oh, look how cute. And then I looked at the picture, and if I'm just, just really honest with you, I was furious. Not that I married Sarah. I'm glad about that. <laughs> that I look two decades older, maybe plus some. And Sarah, who's had two children, and just it's been the same amount of time, looks pretty much the same. So I decided not to show you the picture because I was irritated about it. But... <laughs> But we did get married just about 17 years ago, and pretty quick after our marriage, we had this moment that I remember really clear in my head. We were laying in bed one morning, just having a conversation, and Sarah goes, hey, before you come home from work today, can you make sure that you bring home a gallon of milk? I was like, yeah, babe, no problem, love you, smoochy smooch, like everything's good. And uh, trivia question for all the married people in the room, all the wives, did I bring home milk? Not a chance. I came home and Sarah goes, hey, where's the milk? And I go, this is the first time I've had a conversation today about milk. I did not remember it. It did not exist in my brain. Because what was happening is I would have full conversations with Sarah. Just about everything. Never remember it. So we created a rule in our house that I could not be required or expected to do anything unless I was fully supported by my own two legs and I looked conscious. And that, that rule worked for a little while until, and all the dudes know what I'm about to talk about, I got husband ears. You know. That's where you can have a full conversation, but you're fully conscious, but you don't know that conversation is happening. I would be watching the Rangers, and because it's the Rangers, I would be watching sports and them lose. And Sarah would tell me to do something, not a clue it happened. So then I'd be reading a book or, or scrolling through social media and Sarah from across the house, hey babe, will you make sure that you take care of this? Will you make sure you go do, uh, drop the clothes off of the laundry? Will you make sure you run this errand? And every time I'm like, yeah, Sarah, no problem at all. I got it and never knew I had a conversation. And what we realized pretty quickly is that I had a listening problem. And, and I'm actually fairly convinced I'm not the only one. And all the wives are like, amen, hallelujah. I'm so glad I came to church today. You're like leaving a bruise in your husband's ribs. This is not just a sermon for the guys. Now, I will say this, fellas, once we learn that we have a listening problem, to stay in that place just means we're selfish. So you can't stay there. But this is not a sermon on communication in marriage. And it's not just the guys that have a listening problem. And, and I'm pretty convinced that many of us, dare I say, most of us have a listening problem. And the consequences of staying in a place that we have a listening problem is far greater than just we forgot milk or the laundry stayed at the dry cleaners a couple extra days. 
Instead, our listening problem is causing us to miss out on the life that God has for us, the life that he wants you to have. When we stay in this place of not really hearing him, because it's not just my relationship with Sarah that I realized I had a listening problem. It's my relationship with the Lord. We call it a relationship on purpose because there's communication and it's easy for us to get in a place that I just wasn't listening to the Lord. We think, well, that's crazy. I would never do that on purpose. He's the one who breathed the universe into existence. He's grand and he holds everything in his hands. I would never intentionally go, sorry, got too much going on. Just like I would never intentionally ignore something Sarah asked me to do. She's the person I love more than anyone else on this whole planet. Yet it's easy for us to just kind of slowly and subtly get into the place that we're struggling to listen. Why? Because of life. Life just is a lot. It's busy. We got a lot pulling at us. We have a lot of activities. Our kids got a lot going on. Work is a big expectation. We just, life, regular life is a lot. But what happens when it's not even just regular life, but when we're in one of those storms we've talked about the last two weeks? Whenever it's not just that things are kind of chaotic at home, it's that your marriage is on the rocks and you don't know how you're going to make it to tomorrow with this person. What about those times? You know how hard it is to listen to the Lord in the midst of that? Or when your child that you've loved and you've invested in and you've poured into, you begin to see them not just be busy, but you begin to see them run after a lifestyle that God didn't have for them. You know how hard it is to hear the Lord in the middle of that? Or it's not just that work is busy, it's that work's not busy and you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills that are coming due. You know how hard it is to hear the Lord's voice in that? Ironically, this week, I am writing a sermon on hearing God, stuck looking at a situation that I can't get over, completely missing the voice of the Lord in the middle of it. And when that's the case, whenever we stay in the place that we have a listening problem with God, we miss what he has for us. And according to the words of Jesus, what he has for us, he says that I came, this is Jesus talking, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. And I want abundant life. I want it for me. I want it for my girls. I want it for you. I want abundant life. And often it's easy for us to settle for okay life, for making it to the next thing life, for just trudging along day by day life. When what Jesus says is he came that we may have, not that we should settle for less. He says, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. And learning to hear the voice of the Lord is tied to this. It is impossible for us to have the life God has for us if we don't learn to hear from him. And now here's the deal. I've been a follower of Jesus for as long as I can remember. I was eight when I said yes to Jesus. I've been on staff here almost 17 years. I've grown up in the church. I've been around the church things. And you know how easy it is for me to have moments like I just had this last week? To where either it's a storm that we're experiencing, where everything is chaotic and overwhelming, or even just life and we just miss the voice of the Lord. And I'm missing out on the life that God has for me. So what would it look like? What's the cure? Because you know what's amazing is that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could have this relationship with God. We could have this conversation, not just in the big things. He doesn't just have to speak to us whenever we really desperately need him to speak. You know when he's going to speak to you? After this, when you go out to lunch and you're sitting at the restaurant and that server comes up and you go, they feel kind of burdened. I wonder if I should just ask if I can pray for them. He's speaking then. 
Or tomorrow at the office, whenever you have a lot going on, but you see your coworker and you know they've been going through some stuff and you feel like, I just want to encourage them really quick. He's speaking then. He's not just speaking in the grand big things. He's speaking in the little things and in our relationships and in our jobs and in our friendships. He's speaking all the time. And his voice is tied to us finding abundant life. Because learning to hear the Lord's voice in the middle of any storm changes everything. Learning to hear his voice outside of the stormy seasons changes everything. But in the middle of a storm, when everything is chaotic and overwhelming, his voice changes everything. And we see that in the story of an Old Testament prophet named Elijah. So if you will, if you'll grab a Bible, there's one around you. If you didn't bring a Bible today, there is one around you. Find it. Open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you do not own a Bible, please take one. That is our gift to you. We would love for you to take that Bible. If you're at our online campus, we're so glad that you're there. Right there on the screen, there is a Bible icon. You can click it. And we're gonna, our text is gonna be in 1 Kings 19, but for us to understand 1 Kings 19, we have to understand 1 Kings 18. And 1 Kings 18 is a wild story in scripture. Here's what happens in 1 Kings 18. Elijah is a prophet and he is one of the only prophets still proclaiming truth from God. There's two people running, the, running Israel at this time. It's Ahab and Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel have led the people to worship two gods, Baal and Asherah. And Elijah's done with it. He's like, forget this. You know what? I want to prove that my God is greater than your gods. So they gather 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, and they all meet on Mount Carmel with just Elijah. And what they're going to do to prove whose God is really true is they're going to sacrifice a bull, put it on an altar, and whatever God rains fire down from heaven and burns it all up, that's the true God. So the prophets of Baal and Asher go first. They begin to cry out to their gods, please burn this up, and they're just crying out from morning to noon. And then Elijah does one of my favorite things that we see in all of scripture. He, uh, he trolls them. He goes, hey, where's your God? Did, did he go on a trip? Is he just busy? Did he take a nap? And you know how furious those guys had to be? So then they start to cut their bodies and they're bleeding everywhere. From morning till night, nothing happens. So then Elijah puts his bull on the altar, sacrifices, and then he tells them, hey, I want you to go fill these buckets and I want you to go down there. And then we're gonna dig a trench around my altar. So they walk from the top of Mount Carmel to where there's a stream. It's about a two hour trek. And they came back, dumped the water on the altar. He goes, do it again. So they went, dumped it on the altar. One more time. So three times they've gone and filled buckets, dumped them on top of this sacrifice so that the bull is drenched in water. The wood that's supposed to ignite the bull is soaking wet. The rocks are wet. The trench that they dug around it is full of water. Elijah prays, and then the bull is burned up by fire. And then the wood is burned up by fire. The rocks are burned up by fire. I don't even know how hot fire has to be to burn up rocks, but they're gone. The soil around the altar is gone. Every lick of water in the trench, every bit of it is gone. And then they slaughter the prophets of Baal and Asherah and declare it is Elijah's God that is the true God. I mean, he's, Elijah just experienced this miraculous thing. This is an incredible thing that he got to see. Word gets back to Jezebel. Jezebel sends word to Elijah and says, by tomorrow I will kill you. Because she's so furious that those prophets were slaughtered. 
So Elijah goes on the run and he gets to this place that he's under a tree and he says this. He asks that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And we can relate to this prayer. We can relate to the, I just can't do it anymore, God. It's just too much. Maybe not all the way to the extent of take away my life, but we understand the desperate place that Elijah has gotten to, not sure how he's going to be able to move forward. He is in the middle of a storm. The last two weeks, we've talked about physical storms on the Sea of Galilee. Elijah's storm is a storm we can relate to, a storm where everything around us feels chaotic where everything around us feels outside of our control, where we're overwhelmed and we're not sure how we can even move forward because everything feels like it's pressing in around us. That's the storm that Elijah's in and he just cries out. I just, I can't do it anymore, God. Please just take away my life. And he falls asleep and he's woken up by an angel. Now, I have two girls. I've been woken up in a million different ways. I've had the like real sweet, you know, you're asleep and then they just like kiss you on the cheek and everything feels great and sweet. I've had the screams from the other room and you think that like somebody broke in kind of. I've had the tap, tap projectile vomit wake up. That's a trip, let me tell you. I cannot fathom what it would be like to be asleep and then to be woken up by an angel. God's never done that to me, probably because he knows it would be the end of me and then I would meet Jesus face to face. It would just be over. But Elijah is woken up by an angel. And the angel tells him to eat and go back to sleep. Sometimes, this is scriptural, the answer is a snack and a nap. <laughs> this is what happens for Elijah. Gets a snack, lays back down. Angel wakes him up again, he eats again, and then they take him, he is guided to Mount Horeb where he hides out in a cave. And while he's there, the word of the Lord calls out to him. And that's our text in 1 Kings 19, verse 9. He says, the voice of the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek to take away my life. Elijah says, I've, I've done everything. I have done everything. I was the guy, I was the only one left. I'm the only one proclaiming your truth. And now they're coming after me too. It is just me. You ask me, what am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how I'm going to continue. Then God doesn't answer him. And I am convinced that the reason that God does not answer him is because he knows that Elijah is not in a position to hear what God is about to tell him. So the Lord says, he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Can you imagine what Elijah's feeling? He already is in this desperate, overwhelmed place, crying out to God, just take my life. Overwhelmed, it's just me. I, I, I don't know how I can continue. He's already in a storm. And then comes a storm. Wind so strong that it tears apart the mountains. And I know this is Abilene, so we don't understand a mountain. We have steamboat. Even imagine the amount of the sheer force of a wind to tear apart steamboat. And here Elijah watches a mountain be torn apart by the wind. 
and then an earthquake, and then a fire. Elijah's moved from a, from a storm of life to a physical storm that he is experiencing. But now he's positioned to hear the Lord. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to, to take it away. I want us to notice something. This conversation is the exact same. The Lord asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Just like he just did. And Elijah responds with the same way. They're worshiping idols. They're killing your prophets. It's just me. But something is different this time. Elijah has seen past his depression and discouragement, the overwhelmed place that he was under the tree. He's seen past the storm of the earthquake and the wind and the fire. And now he's positioned to hear the voice of the Lord. You know what God tells him? God tells him to go back where he came from. Can you understand now why God didn't that first place when Elijah's still in a desert place, not really listening for the voice of the Lord? Can you imagine why God goes, you're not ready yet. Let me position you over here and then you'll hear me. Because he's telling Elijah, you got to go back to the place that you are wanted to be murdered. But God had a mission and a calling for Elijah. And he has faith to go forth into that because he listened to the voice of the Lord. Learning to hear the still small voice of the Lord through the storm will change everything for us. But not necessarily our circumstances. Jezebel still wants to cut off his head. But Elijah is different because he heard the Lord. Now here's what the truth I want you to grab hold of today. The invitation to hear the Lord is for you. I want you to write that down and then I want you to look at me. The invitation to hear the voice of the Lord is for you. In days of old, in the Old Testament, it was only these unique group of people who actually got to be in the presence of God. And it was the high priest, and he got to go in once a year. He got to be in God's presence. But Jesus died on the cross. The veil tore. The presence of God is unleashed on humanity. And then, because of that, you and I get to be in the presence of God and hear his voice. No matter what's going on, this invitation is for you. No matter the storm, no matter how overwhelmed you feel, no matter what is going on, the invitation to hear the voice of the Lord is for you. You can hear his voice and his voice in the storm changes everything. And there are a bunch of ways you can do that. The two primary ways I think that we hear God's voice today. The first is the word of God. And I know you're like, this is church. You just always just to tell me to read about. The problem is, this is what scripture says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yes, this book is a collection of writings from thousands of years ago. And Hebrews says it's living and active. You want to know what living and active means? It means living and active. If God was not still speaking through this text, it would not be living and active. It would be a coaster or a book on a bookshelf. He's still speaking. His, this word is him. 
And if you've grown up in the church or maybe you've been around church a lot, it feels like we can get used to the magnitude and the wonder and the power that is in these pages. This is the holy word of God. He is showing us his heart for us in here. He shows us his heart for people in here. In his word, we see his wonder. We see how kind he is. We see his grace. Scripture is one of the primary ways that the Lord is speaking to us. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been in a storm, not been able to hear his voice, turned to scripture and heard him declare things like, I got you. That's in here. You're not alone. It's in here. I am kind. That's in here. I am provider. That's in here. Your heart is hurting. He says in here, he will be near. He is constantly speaking to us through his word. It's so easy for us to underestimate the power of his word. And we we get stuck sometimes with scripture because we go, well, I know this one person and this is how they read the Bible and they're really holy. So as long as I read the Bible like they do, then I'll be holy, but that doesn't feel like I can do that, so we just don't do it. Let me relieve you of that pressure. There is nothing in here that tells you how to read the scripture. It doesn't say you must read it for X amount of minutes a day. You must read X amount of chapters a day. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. Your goal with reading scripture is this. I wanna hear the still small voice of the Lord. Maybe that means you start out reading one verse. Maybe you start out in the New Testament because that's where the, just, the stories of Jesus are. Maybe you do one of the most godly, incredible women that I have ever met in my life. Her name is Becky Mitchell. She passed away about a year ago. Todd plays the drums for us. It's his mom. When she met Jesus, she started reading a proverb every day because there's 31 proverbs. So every day she would read the proverb that corresponded with that day. So today she'd read Proverbs 25. Now, there are some months that don't have the right amount of days, so she'd have to do it at the end of the month, or February destroys everything, so that didn't ever work, but you made it work. And Becky loved Jesus, and she looked like Jesus. All we're trying to do is just hear the still, small voice of the Lord. We don't read Scripture to check off a box. We just read it because we want to hear him. And scripture is one of the primary ways that he's speaking to us. Yes, it is a collection of writings from thousands of years ago, but he's still speaking because the word is still living and active. He's still speaking to us in June of 2023 through his scripture. The second way that we hear the Lord is directly, just like Elijah did. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the word, but the Holy Spirit speaks to you through a million ways. And we know this because Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus is talking to the disciples and it's this promise to you and me too. That for the disciples, they heard his voice. They knew what to do because he spoke. For you and I, the helper, the Holy Spirit is with us day in and day out, speaking to us through, through different things, like an impression Have you ever been at the grocery store and gone, I feel like I need to tell this cashier I'm thankful for them. Guess what? That very well could have been the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It also might not have been. What what might the negative be about saying that anyway? 
If the Lord is telling you to encourage somebody or pray for somebody or invite them to church, or if they're telling you to do something like that, listen, the enemy is never gonna have you do something positive in the life of somebody else. No, you won't always do that correctly, but you know what? He's speaking constantly to us through impressions. He speaks to some people through dreams. Every once in a while, he'll speak to me through a dream. He speaks to my wife through dreams all the time. And it's amazing. She'll wake up at like, you know, four in the morning. She'll have written a bunch of stuff. And I'll be like, God, I love that you're speaking to Sarah that way. Just please keep speaking to me at 9 a.m. It's awesome. (laughs) But he speaks through dreams. He speaks through other people lots of times. This past week, I I was in a coffee shop. And the owner of the coffee shop, she came up to me and she goes, hey, when you're writing a sermon, do you ever feel burdened? And if you had asked me walking into those doors that day how I felt, I would have said burdened. And then she just proceeded to encourage me. You know what happened in that moment? The Holy Spirit spoke to me, one of his kids, through another of his kids. And I heard the voice of the Lord in a time that I desperately needed to hear his voice. He is in the business of moving. He's in the business of speaking. The Holy Spirit in the life of the believers is one of the main ways that we hear them. It can be easy for us to dismiss it as if it's nothing, as if it's just a whim, a fleeting thought, or that dream was whatever weird thing we ate for dinner last night. But we only know how to hear his voice by sharpening the tool of discernment on how to hear his voice. The more we listen for his voice, the better we are, to, the better we're able to make out what is him and what is me. You will never sharpen a skill you don't use. It's only when we try to hear his voice and then we test it against the character of God. If what you feel or what the dream gave you or whatever you felt in that moment, if it is encouraging, if it is uplifting, if it is peace-filled, that is the character of God. If it's discouraging, if it's overwhelming, if it causes you stress and anxiety, that's not his character, it's not his voice. And those are just two of the ways that he speaks to us. I believe they're the two primary ways. But here's what we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to intentionally listen for his voice. Elijah had to go from inside the cave, well, he had to go from under a tree to the cave and then out of the cave, out to the edge of the cave. He had to actively listen. For Sarah and I, I had to change some things. I had to make eye contact when she was speaking. I had to turn off the TV. There are active things that we have to do whenever we're trying to listen to somebody. But if we will learn to hear the voice of the Lord in the storm, it will change everything. Everything is different when we hear his voice. The great times, great. The difficult times, his peace. The times we need comfort, his voice. That is the power of learning to listen for the voice of the Lord. And here's how important it is for me. We're going to take time to do it right now. We're going to take some time, just as a church, online campus, north campus. We're going to take some time to listen for his voice. If it's this important, it's worth us carving out a few minutes right now to do it. We're going to listen for the one who breathed it all into existence. You know why? Because he's speaking to you. We're going to listen for the one who has it all under control. You know why? Sometimes I don't feel like it, and I need to be reminded that he does. We're going to listen to the voice of the father, who he says, if broken dads know how to give good gifts to their kids, how much more am I going to give good things to you? We're going to listen for his voice. Now, 
if you're not a follower of Jesus in here, he'll still speak to you. But here's what Jesus said later on in John 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Primarily, the Lord is speaking to his sheep. Now, he'll still speak to you through his Holy Spirit. He'll still speak to you through the word. But probably what he's going to say to you, I can't say this with full confidence. Probably what he's going to say to you is, come and follow me. You want the abundant life that Jesus said he came for? Come and follow me. You want peace, comfort in the midst of the storm? Come and follow me. That is the invitation to you today. And I'm so honored that you would be here. I hope that you feel loved and welcomed. And I would love nothing more than after church you to find me and let's have a conversation about what it looks like to become his sheep. And we're all gonna take some time. We're gonna take a few moments, three minutes. And we're gonna listen for his voice because he's speaking. No matter what's going on in your world right now, no matter if you were screaming at each other in the van on the way over here, no matter if you've got this big work project that's coming up tomorrow, no matter where you're at or what is going on, no matter the earthquake, the wind and the fire, the chaos, we're gonna listen for his voice because hearing him in the midst of the storm changes everything. So grab a Bible if you want that. You can just sit and listen. At the bottom of your park news, there's some space. Whenever you hear him, write it down. Write down what he says to you. Because he's speaking. And his voice changes everything. So let's take a few minutes to listen.
here's what's incredible. He doesn't just speak in this room. Tomorrow, he's speaking. Tuesday, Wednesday, as you go throughout your days, he's speaking. And his voice changes everything. Here's my encouragement to you. If he spoke something to you today, if you heard it today, tell somebody. Tell your spouse or a life group leader or a friend, tell somebody. Something happens in us whenever we tell what God is speaking. If you don't have anyone you can tell, this is my email. Email me. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to know what he said to you. Because I know through my own experience of focusing on the storm and the waves and the circumstances, I know how powerful it can be to hear the voice of the one who holds everything in his hands. God, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you. We thank you that you speak to us. What an overwhelming thought that you love us enough that you're still speaking. Would you give us grace, Lord, to position ourselves to listen? It's in your name we pray. Amen.